0: ladies and gentlemen welcome to a special edition of the edubabble emporium and let me also wish all of you a very happy new year my name is tom o'brien i'm a 30-year public school teacher today through sleight of hand and modern technology we have the infamous dictator of venezuela hugo chavez as our guest we'll be probing the mind of this deceased dictator asking questions about marxism and his view of the united states government overreach in schools in the united states Now, as our teachers unions, universities, corporate media and a vast array of influential organizations place the blame for high crime, youth delinquency, academic failure and a host of other problems in our culture on things such as white supremacy culture, implicit bias, racial profiling and a plethora of racist reasons. Diversity, equity and inclusion programs mandated by the federal Department of Education and state bureaucrats have sprung up across the country to level the playing field. And cure the United States of our racism problem. Our universities and public schools have begun building equity programs designed to elevate the minority populations. This of course has caused teachers to pump the brakes on the academic process of high achievers, slowing things down for the highly motivated, well-behaved, and determined students in order to promote systemic equity, especially as it relates to academic progress. Diversity, equity, and inclusion programs are currently monopolizing the minds of administrators at both the university and the primary school levels. Before we begin our interview with Hugo, let's listen in on a discussion between two black professors from Ivy League universities in the United States. Glenn Lowry, an economics professor from Brown, and John McWhorter, a linguistics professor from Columbia University. Both are respected authors, speakers, and of course, instructors. Even though their ideas differ from the majority of their colleagues, they maintain high standing. Now this discussion picks up with them having a really, I don't know, interesting discussion on the impact of equity-driven programs at their prestigious universities. This two and a half minute clip will offer a springboard into our interview with Mr.
1: Chavez. So give it a listen. Four layers of administrative hierarchy that I'm describing here that have to do with diversity, equity, and inclusion. This is uh, someone ministering to students of color in the graduate school, who reports to someone who has graduate school responsibilities broadly for diversity issues, who reports to someone who is across the different uh, units of schools of the university dealing with diversity, who reports to someone Who's the chief diversity officer for the university worrying about faculty as well as about students and programming and curriculum and so forth and so on now something tells me that all of these people are of the same ilk <laughs> yeah <laughs> as is dr carol kelly with respect to the philosophy that they bring to the enterprise and we are embedding this in the institutional structure of the university. And my thought was, if I'm a student of color, I come to study at Brown in the physics department, or in the history department, for that matter, is my being of color the most important thing about myself, requiring a special administrative set-aside in order to see after my well-being? Um, and, and moreover, there's no debate about any of this. The, the, the administration is set on doing God's work, and embedding it in the administrative structure of the institution. And this is happening without significant uh, pushback uh, from any quarters. And if there were pushback, if I were to write a public letter or something like that, it would be dismissed as the rantings of some, you know, uh, Trump loving, uh, you know, Tucker Carlson watching a uh, reactionary who is simply standing in the way of history, standing athwart the historical imperative to create more just and inclusive institutions. All of those people are being paid to identify racism right. that almost never exists. And I mean, part of their mission is, I mean, to be seen as doing their jobs they have to smoke some racism out. If they don't, it looks like they're not they're not doing their jobs, they're not earning their keep. And so they're going to find it. People are going to report things to them and they're going to interpret them in, you know, the quote-unquote proper way. They're assigned to endlessly discuss and hunt for and decry racism that essentially does not exist at, at Brown University. Where's the racism?
0: All right, we're going to stop it right there. So one of my favorite podcasts is called The Glenn Show and Glenn Lowry is the host. And about once a week, he will have John McWhorter on and they have some great discussions. And they look at things from the perspective of African-American men, also from the perspective of college professors. And they differ, both of them differ very much on their political views, but they do see this anti-racist movement and this doctrine of equity as being very racist and very demeaning to the black population. So now let's move on to our interview. Um, You know what, thank you very much, Mr. Chavez for being here and let us begin our discussion by contrasting the United States constitutional term of equality with equity. And then you can bring in the Marxist term of equity and let us know what you think about it, which is definitely a building block for socialist dictatorships. So fundamentally equality and equity are very different. The first is an American constitutional value found in the fifth and 14th amendments, dedicated to assuring individual citizens are entitled to equal protection under the law, an equal chance to participate in society, and an equal opportunity to succeed in educational and employment endeavors eventually leading to happiness and prosperity. So, Mr. Chavez, will you please expound on equity and what it means to you in your perspective?
2: Thank you very much for having me here today. Um, yes, equity is a Marxist term, and it is basically founded on the idea of uh, the mass transfer of wealth between groups. Uh, Giving uh, what is earned to someone else, uh, it's usually sometimes has to be done by force, by a very powerful government. Now in education, uh, this transfer may not be of wealth, but um, it it can be something like uh, quotas for hiring teachers, uh, parameters that are set for disciplined students, and grading systems that focus on equity instead of uh, earning your grades, okay, because... Um, We need to keep things equal, all right? Um, A famous quote by one of my heroes, Karl Marx, the co-author of the Communist Manifesto, he put it this way, from each according to his abilities, to each according to his needs.
0: And that is how I try to run Venezuela. Thank you. What are your thoughts on the strong influence that the United States Department of Education has had on the public schools in the United States, especially as it relates to equity and discipline? And I am reminded of Barack Obama spearheading an effort by the Justice Department and the Department of Education, sending something called a dear colleague letter to all the schools threatening economic sanctions if they didn't guarantee equitable disciplinary data.
2: Yes, well, first of all, I think Obama did a great job promoting equity within the schools. A socialist system can only succeed when there is a powerful central government uh, that must mandate policy in order to guarantee equal outcomes for all, okay? So uh, the Department of Education, I'm proud of this. Um, The, what do you call, dear colleague letter, uh, promoting uh, this uh, Marxist ideal
0: of equity is very good. Very good. Okay, well, many conservatives were angered uh, by this government overreach. And many on the right in the United States, they believe in the idea of local control that one of our founders, Thomas Jefferson laid out when he was planning the United States public school system. Now, if you can give me a minute here, Jefferson actually said this, schools should be highly decentralized, small wards should establish and control their own schools. I fear a centralized authority, not even a state government, should take this business of education into its own hands. If a governor and state officials were to control the district schools, they would be badly managed, depraved by abuses, and would soon exhaust the available funds. The key to local school districts is that they give parents direct and ultimate control over how their children are educated. To suppose that schools will be better managed by any authority of the government than by the parents within each ward is a belief against all experience. A government can no more manage schools than it can manage our farms, our mills, and our merchant stores. Elementary education should be the concern of local communities under the supervision of parents. It should not be controlled by the federal or state governments. Mr. Chavez, what do you think about that statement from Jefferson. Uh, This is very wrong. First,
2: government officials, including teachers, are the experts. They alone should be in control for this reason. They are the experts. Parents need to put their trust in the leaders. It is the leaders that were placed in charge for a reason. And the parents need to cooperate with that. The only things that will happen when parents speak against this is it will cause divisiveness. This is very destructive. Cooperation is very necessary. Uh, Secondly, there is no way that equity can be distributed and controlled throughout the massive country of the United States without powerful dictates from a central government. Uh, This idea of local control. uh, Giving parents a say in the local schools is absurd. There must be unity and equity in our schools mandated by powerful forces. It is the mistake of local control and parental input that has created the massive imbalance among the rich and poor in your country. Without equity programs being enforced, the white majority will just continue to suppress the success of the minority class for their own economic benefit. That is why I'm very proud of your Democratic politicians working to tax, the rich, and redistribute the wealth. Uh, The same must apply in the schools. Equal outcomes must be guaranteed. Only a powerful central government can guarantee this.
0: Okay, well, what about Jefferson's comment that a government can no more manage schools than it can manage our farms, our mills, and merchant stores? Coming from a socialist uh, ideal. What do you think about that? First of all, I don't want you in any way to
2: find this disrespectful. But your founding fathers were all white supremacists, as you say. They were racists. They were slave owners. And your founding documents are corrupt because of this. I cannot take advice from racist founding fathers, as you say, not to mention their ideas. They are long outdated. I really cannot believe that you have not gotten rid of your constitution by now.
0: Well, Mr. Chavez, uh, now that you are deceased, hopefully you recognize that once your oil money dried up in your country, and after you'd gained government control of the economic systems and means of distribution, that removing free enterprise, private ownership and competition, it really drove Venezuela to bankruptcy. People are now starving. And Maduro has created a tyrannical state that has driven hundreds of thousands out of Venezuela and pushed them toward the freedoms of the United States. First of all, wait a minute. The problems that were caused in our country
2: were because of the imperialism of the United States, embargoes, sanctions, and other underhanded tactics by your leaders undermine our Marxist system that was operating perfectly on oil revenue. The people love their leader and I distributed wealth to all and people were happy. The United States is the reason
0: for the failure. And that's all I have to say on that. Well, I can see you're getting kind of angry. So I guess uh, I'll leave any follow-up questions to another time, gracias. So educational leaders and social justice warriors in the United States have elevated Black Lives Matter leaders and a professor by the name of Ibram X. Kendi to hero status. Now, uh, These individuals are leaders in the anti-racist equity movement in the United States. And they seem to have many beliefs that are reflective of yours. Uh, let me throw out a quote first by the Black Lives Matter co-founder, Patrice Cullors. And in this quote, she's also referring to her co-founder, uh, Alicia Garza. Quote, we are trained Marxists. We are super versed on sort of ideological theories. And I think that what we really try to do is build a movement that could be utilized by many, many black folk. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure. First of all, let me say this.
2: I love the BLM ideology. Marxism is a pure ideology based on elevating and equalizing all groups. The white supremacy culture, a foundation of your corrupt country laid down by your racist founding fathers, has created a mechanism of inequity that must be regulated and fixed. Only a powerful government system and mandates by the highly educated and informed can do this. Also, I love that Colors and Garza identify with the queer community. Uh, they show that the white male heterosexual patriarchy is perpetuated oppression of women, LGBTQ, and the marginalized populations. BLM is only there to level the playing field. Okay.
0: Well, what do you think about the riots, the violence, and the tumult caused by the BLM rioters over the years? Do you think this is justified? Yes. One of my heroes, Karl Marx, he said that violence
2: is, quote, the imposition of one's will upon another, and that he recognized violence as, quote, an inescapable feature of the human condition, especially if one wishes to cause fundamental change. Okay,
0: Uh, I guess I'll leave that one. Well, now to Ibram X. Kendi, the author of the book titled, How to be Anti-Racist. Kendi defines inequity as inequality of outcome, not as inequality of opportunity. Now that means that any measurable social difference between racial groups must be chalked up to racial inequity. If a greater percentage of whites, for example, own homes than blacks, that is racial inequity. If whites have more wealth than blacks, that is racial inequity. In schools, if whites are disciplined less or Asians are achieving at a higher level, it is inherently racist. What do you think about these ideas? I agree.
2: I agree. Kendi is a very wise man. He recognizes that true justice and equity could only come through the wisdom of powerful government and leaders that adhere
0: to an equity agenda. OK, well, what about those that say the American dream is built on hard work, upstanding character, and relentless resilience, and that everyone should be treated equally? as as is stated in the 14th amendment.
2: Well, let me just say this, those concepts of like hard work, abstaining character, all that, those are words from racist white men. Those are the characteristics that were established by the white European overlords that wrote your
0: racist founding documents. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'd love to respond to that one, but uh, you look agitated. In your deceased state, I'd better leave that one alone. So continuing with Kendi. Here are his thoughts on utilizing discrimination to create equity, even though this premise goes diametrically against the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. Quote, the defining question is whether the discrimination is creating equity or inequity. If discrimination is creating equity, then it is anti-racist. If discrimination is creating, excuse me, let me go back to that. Let me start again. Uh, This is a quote. The quote starts like this. The defining question is whether the discrimination is creating equity or inequity. If discrimination is creating equity, then it is anti-racist. If discrimination is creating inequity, then it is racist. The only remedy to racist discrimination is anti-racist discrimination. The only remedy to past discrimination is present discrimination. The only remedy to present discrimination is future discrimination." Unquote. What what do you think about Kendi's words there? Because obviously he believes that we need racial discrimination in public policy in order to elevate minority populations in other marginalized groups. First of all, let me say this, okay? You brought up
2: your uh, constitution, your 14th Amendment. Your constitution is based on the idea of a white majority. It is built on racist patriarchy. It does not deserve my respect. Again, I think your candy is a hero. He recognizes that those educated in equity ideologies are the ones that must implement policies that level the field as you say in your country otherwise you will continue to see the domination of white supremacy culture that has created all of the problems in your country now Karl Marx understood what it took to bring equity to the world but it is up to us students of his ideas to implement them correctly The only reason his socialist policies did not last in my country is because of the demonic imperialism of the United States, which worked to oppress my country and destroy one of the only economic systems that was based on equity and distribution of wealth. Your racist ideals, your powerful patriarchy, is always out to destroy countries
0: that are based on the bulwark of Marxism well thank you for your time mr chavez i think we can summarize that you fully support the equity policies being implemented in our schools and institutions of higher learning and that the democratic party reflects the ideas that you implemented in venezuela si gracias
2: it has been a nice reprieve to visit with you uh, but i must get back to my sulfur farm in 80s
0: well, okay. Uh, well, hopefully you maybe will join us again, sir. Uh, maybe I can ask some follow-up questions. I will consult with Lord Lucifer, the
2: overlord of my new dominion.
0: Okay. Well, okay. Well, thank you, Mr. Chavez, for being with us today. And and ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us on the EduBabble Emporium. Hopefully you got something out of this discussion. And I think it's very clear to see that... Uh, A lot of the ideas being promoted in our institutions of higher learning and in our public schools are kind of based on a lot of the characteristics that Karl Marx believes very strongly in. That's a little bit shocking. I would would have to agree with you there. Anyway, so Happy New Year to all, and thanks for stopping by, and hope to see you again soon. Thanks.